Welcome to Teacher Formation, where we unpack and apply current research to teaching from a Catholic perspective. I'm Erin. And I'm Monica. We believe that teacher formation is an ongoing process that includes learning from current research on best practices in schools. In each of our episodes, we unpack a work of current scholarship applied to teaching. And today we are diving into a great article called Talk Moves, a formative assessment strategy for fostering productive probe discussions. This was written by Paige Keeley and it was published in Science and Children in 2016. Right, and I'll just give a quick overview of this, this really short article that is so approachable and readable, I think, for all of us as teachers um, in classrooms. So the article itself focused on productive science conversations specifically um, and talk moves for classroom talk. And I, I want to kind of reiterate that these are the same kind of accountable talk moves and productive conversational moves that we see in all of the content areas. So although this is specific to science, um, I wanna promote the idea that many of our teachers out there have been, have probably heard or are using these kinds of talk moves. I liked that this piece was a really quick read and I think that all teachers are gonna identify um, with some of the language that is right there inside this article. And I'm really excited to talk about stronger classroom discussion. It's something that we focus on in our coursework and that I push teachers to do all the time. And I also think it's a difficult skill, right, Monica? I mean, even for us as experienced teachers or teacher educators, making space for authentic and accountable talk and discussion in our classrooms is something that is responsive. And so it's hard, it's hard to do. And I think reading this piece is gonna help teachers recognize the talk moves that they might naturally make in, in real conversation and you know bring those in, into their classroom talk and conversation. Yeah, so it might seem obvious when we, when we say talk moves, what we mean, but really what they are, they are specific strategies to help move students towards talking in an authentic and productive way of having discussions in class. So um, as you said, this is a, a short article with a lot of practical ideas. There are six official talk moves that this author outlines uh, and specifically talks about how teachers can use them as formative assessment probes in their lessons. So there may be other talk moves in uh, that, that other teachers might identify, but there's six that this author talks about specifically with science talk moves. And so I'll just kind of go through them uh, so everyone knows what we're talking about. So the talk moves that she talked that she mentions are number one, revoicing, which is where you get um, you as the teacher or you ask another student to revoice what the what one student said in order to check that they, that you said it correctly and move and move forward. You just revoice what they said. Another one is restating other students' ideas. And this is where you have another student restate what they thought they heard from another student and ask for clarification about it to see if that's what they're hearing. The third talk move is applying your own reasoning to others' reasoning. And so that is, for example, saying, do you agree with what this person said? What can you say about how they came to that idea and, and get another reason for whether they agree or not to that? Right, right. I like that. I like that we push students there to agree or disagree. Right. And to to explain why they agree or not with 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 different reasoning there. So another talk move, the fourth one is to prompt students for further uh, participation. So asking, what do you think about these ideas? What would you add? What would you change? How could you expand on that? 
Uh, the fifth one is to ask students to explicate their reasoning. So if a student gives a response and you say, say more about that, tell me more, give me more information and ask them to continue with their, with their reasoning there. And the sixth talk move that I love that she included isn't really a talk move, it's using wait time. It's so important and we talk about wait time a lot in teacher education because especially beginning teachers want to just jump in and talk, talk, talk. And using wait time is so important to make sure that things sink in and give time before you ask them to explain their thinking. Right. And I think it's so um, natural for us when we do have conversations together, even like you and I are having right now, for us to take a minute, um, a beat, and think about what we're going to say next. We want kiddos to know that that's absolutely appropriate. You don't need to have the right answer in a moment's time. Sometimes the best answers come when we think for a minute, right? It's not a race. So I really like that she that she pushed on that as a discussion move because it is. Right, I think wait time is also important to ensure that there's equity in the class, that everyone has a chance to think and process information before you call on one person to give an answer or one person to start a discussion. Giving that time just allows that processing for all students so that there's a level playing field when the discussion begins. Yeah, well, that's one of my favorite um, coaching I guess, or like coaching advice for my beginning teachers oftentimes when they're not doing this wait time is you're not, I tell them to not let the students raise their hands until the teacher raises hers. So it's even a visible reminder for her students that everybody should be thinking right now. Nobody should already have the right answer. You all shouldn't raise your hand until I raise mine. And then you're gonna see more hands, right, raise. So I think I really like this. And I think I really like this talk as a, as a talk move or as a discussion move, not just talk. So, so Erin, can you talk a little bit about why you think, and, and the, the author set makes some points about this too, but what are some reasons why you think productive conversations, productive discussion in classrooms is really important? Why is it important that we use these kind of talk moves to get authentic discussion happening? Yeah, so there's one piece of research um, that that talks about our writing moves and our ability to explain follows our speech. So we become stronger and better writers, which is oftentimes what we want our students to do in content areas, right? To explain a thing, to define a thing, or even to analyze a thing in history, in science, in literature, and that your your writing will follow your speech. Um, and so especially this, these talk moves that push us to agree with an idea or an opinion and to push for an evidence-based claim are going to help our students follow their ideas through and, and give evidence for their reasoning in an analysis or, or something like that. And I think also, so I actually did a lot of research here when I was a grad student, and we also tied um, accountable talk moves and these very, some of these very moves, things called teacher press, where we um, press students to give us more information and this idea of agreement and disagreement. So we studied that. Um, we were in classrooms and we kept data, both uh, anecdotal data and we tallied, we counted how often these happened. And then we tied that with student output and achievement data. So we gave students a task then that had some writing in it and we compared classrooms whose teachers did teach and push this accountable to these accountable talk moves with classrooms that didn't. And we found that students who talked and had experience using these moves were better in their analysis and could give us clearer answers. And that may seem obvious, but um, to see it in, in, 
real time was really exciting. And we did that even as little as third grade. So it was a really cool, it was a really cool um, experience in a, in a study, I think that showed a lot that leaving time and space for this in your lesson planning and in your classroom, in, yeah, just in your lessons is going to be really valuable for your students um, in the assessment piece and in the analysis of information. That's awesome, Erin. Yeah, you can definitely see how those productive talk moves can translate into better work, better work products, uh, whether it's writing or in other, in other subjects as well, that, that they can use those talk moves, their, their thinking and their speech can be reflected then in their writing and their work and their understanding of things. The article makes another point that I think is really important and that this is sort of the gist of the article is about how these talk moves can be used for teachers uh, to facilitate formative assessment, which is something we talk about a lot, um, assessing students while you're teaching, getting a feel for how they're understanding things. And using these discussion moves can allow students' ideas to surface in a way that helps the teacher to assess their understanding in real time as they're having these conversations. And so that's a real benefit of this is to be able to use this as formative assessment so that you know in the moment are my students getting this? Are they understanding it? Are they going where I want them to go with these ideas? And then you can re, you can be flexible and um, revise and reteach as needed based on what you're seeing in the discussions that come out. Yeah, and I think, which is what all good formative assessment does is, is um, helps a teacher be a good listener or a good observer, right? So sometimes our formative assessment, we're looking for things on a lesson assessment a, a worksheet of some kind, a graphic organizer. But this reminds us that good formative assessment we also listen for. And, you know, the best teachers I know, even the best novice teachers are actually really good listeners. And, and that's a hard practice, I think, for us, as not, especially as novices, but even experienced teachers, we often feel like we need to be on the productive end, right? Like we're projecting, projecting, and we forget to listen. Um, and these talk moves teach that. They, they teach students to listen to one another for ideas, not just listen to the teacher. And they teach us as teachers to listen to our students, not just wait for the right answer. That's great. Yeah. And so in this um, article, it's implied, maybe not, talk, maybe not mentioned specifically, um, that these talk moves are things that you teach your students and you, you help them to understand how to use these talk moves in Classroom. So do you see that happening? Do you see teachers effectively teaching talk moves to their students in your work? I do. I do. I absolutely do. I'm seeing it a whole lot more often in math right now. And that's exciting. Um, I'm, I'm hearing teachers um, model for their students what it sounds like to agree or disagree with a process or to to um, encourage students to voice solving a problem in another way, for example. I'm also seeing these talk moves uh, posted in classrooms a lot more often, right? Um, accountable talk moves, sentence stems, and things like that that are pushing teachers to teach students how to use the, these talk moves. And I, if I'm not seeing these, honestly, I push teachers to try this, but I always push teachers to try teaching talk moves as, as their own, as a lesson in and of itself with a with some form of content or idea that is familiar. So it's pretty hard to teach these new talk moves with a complex idea that we're also trying to understand photosynthesis or whatever, right? But we can all have a conversation about the best ice cream flavor or our favorite music artist or our favorite book. 
we, so we, we first need to learn how to make the moves, the talk moves, and then we can apply that to more advanced content. So I think reminding teachers to, that the moves themselves are something that we need to teach. Right. So teach them with a low risk topic that all teams can engage in. And then once they learn that, then they can apply it to more rigorous content. I think that's, that's great advice. I was just wondering if you're seeing teachers coaching this yourself. So in a classroom, you know, we, we talked about posting, um, posting those talk moves or their, those sentence stems. Are you, have you been hearing teachers ask students for these kinds of moves? Like, what are you hearing? I am. I'm definitely hearing it. I'm definitely seeing it posted in classrooms. So I can tell that teachers have done some work with talk moves, maybe in the beginning of the year as they're setting up their classroom community and they're talking about how they have discussions in class. I am seeing this a lot in writing prompts and in um, student student work that they are. And, and I think that's partly common core standards as well, that they're being asked to do a lot of um, evidence-based claims about things. So I am seeing it tied back to that a lot in a way that that mirrors talk moves in their writing, as you talked about how they're kind of intertwined. Um, but I do think that that I'm seeing teachers use these moves effectively in different ways. Um, sometimes what I what I see is um, one one talk move in a way that that I see that I wonder if you have any thoughts about is when teachers will. They'll, they'll be using talk moves, but they'll do so in, a, in an evaluative sense as well, in that I hear them saying things a lot like, oh, I, I really like what, what this student just said, or I, I love that answer, tell me more about it, in a way that, um, that is affirming to students and praising them for their thoughts. But I worry sometimes that it's a little bit too much giving the, the idea that the purpose is to please the teacher and say what the teacher wants to hear, which might then take away from authentic discussion with peers. Um, so I think there's a fine line there between praising students' ideas and, and participation and, um, and making them want to please you with particular comments. Have you, have you encountered that at all? Does that ring true at all? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I think I hear a lot of that. Um, um, I like what you're saying there and um, good idea. So, and I do, I think it's hard because we don't want to fall back on that IRE, you know, teacher, student, teacher, student, you know, um, back and forth. We, we want to push students to have conversation with one another um, too. So I think, I think this is something too, that we have just have to make, sometimes have to break a habit of feeling like we need to fill that wait time or that space with an evaluative comment. And I oftentimes tell teachers to start to practice um, a comment that's non-evaluative. Right. So saying like, that's an idea or um, who has more to add or did someone, did someone, some, who else was thinking, who else was thinking something, but like you have to kind of practice those non-evaluative moves so that they sound natural and so that you don't fall back on the good idea or I like what you just said there. Right. I'm not suggesting that teachers never say that they like what, what students said, but in this, in this idea of trying to have these authentic cost discussions where the teacher is not the focus of it or the, the director of it, but rather where the students are authentically engaging in discussion, I think it's important for the teacher to step back from that evaluative role. I think one of the uh, blessings of virtual teaching for those who are teaching virtually in COVID, if you're on Zoom or Google Meet or whatnot, you can mute your own camp, your own microphone and let students talk so that the teacher's really not involved in the voice at all there. If the teacher has 
they are microphone muted, it's a signal that the students are supposed to interact with one another without the teacher jumping in and responding after each person talks, which I think is, um, you know, a neat benefit of virtual teaching. Uh, in a classroom setting, I often will encourage my teachers to literally put their finger up in front of their mouth, like cover their, their mouth with their finger as, you know, kind of in a thinker pose where their hand is on their chin and their, their finger is covering their mouth as a reminder to themselves to stay quiet and not to verbalize those evaluations that they want to say or, um, you know, to fight the urge to, as you said, fall into that inquiry response evaluation mode where it's teacher asks a question, student responds, teacher evaluates it, and to try to get the students doing the talking instead. And as you said, this is a skill. It takes time and practice to hone that skill as a teacher, but I think it's worth it because that authentic engagement from the students and their discussing and sharing ideas is where a lot of knowledge occurs. That's where a lot of learning occurs. Yeah, not only that, but I think it gives ownership um, in the classroom, it gives the floor um, to the students and, and that's empowering for, for learning, right? I mean, that's motivating. I'm sure you could say more about that in and of itself, but when students feel like they know and have the right answer that they can express those ideas, they take the floor and they that ownership can be so powerful for the sharing of ideas. So I think, and I think that's our goal, right? Is to, to have more voices at times out, so. Great, I think we're in agreement that this is, that it's really important to foster good constructive conversations between students in classrooms. And let's move to our takeaways here. Do you have any key takeaways as a teacher? Yeah, I think we've already kind of touched on my biggest key takeaway, which is which is the idea that teachers need to teach these talk moves. We can't um, teach them on the fly or um, in the midst of other difficult content, but it really is important and valuable for us to take a lesson um, in the beginning of the year or maybe periodically throughout the year and remind our students what real real strong um, discussion looks like and sounds like in the classroom space. So posting those talk moves, encouraging good talk, accountable talk uh, is, is going to bring that about in your classroom spaces. How about you? Yeah, I think we covered mine as well, but I, I, was, I was thinking two key takeaways. One is that we've said it before and we'll say it again and again, Formative assessment is really crucial in teaching. You need to be able to know whether your students are learning when you are teaching them. And so using, using accountable talk as a way to gauge student understanding as formative assessment is really important. And then the second takeaway that I was going to say is how students benefit so much from the discussion and being active participants in a, in a discussion. And I think many teachers think that they're leading a good discussion because they're asking questions and the students are answering, but really it's more about having the students respond to one another and share their own insights. And so getting away from that teacher question, student response, teacher evaluation mode, I think is, is, a, is a takeaway for me for this point for teachers. Absolutely. How about as a researcher for you? Well, as a researcher, I was thinking about methodology here a little bit, um, that in order to really study discussion and talk moves in classrooms, we really need researchers who are out there in the classrooms um, observing or recording classroom discourse in order to analyze it. So uh, it just reminds me of one of the reasons I wanted to go into the field of educational psychology to begin with is that uh, people always say that educational psychologists have one foot in the classroom and one foot in the research lab, and that always appeals to me. So the idea that 
Um, you can't just sit around doing research, you know, on your own. You really have to be in classrooms to understand what's going on with teachers and students. Right, right. And that brings about impact, too. I think that's that's I'm, that makes me think, too, a little bit about how something like this that that seems pretty simple and that, you know, this this author was able to get across pretty um, quickly and efficiently in her piece um, can also make a big difference in classrooms. And so when we find these things as researchers or as teacher educators, as educational psychologists, it's um, you can really see and hear that in classroom spaces and it can make a really big difference. I think for me as a researcher, I, I'm almost always thinking about the student side of things. Um, so I'm curious when and how and where students follow up with other students. So I find that the most difficult talk move is that student to student agreement or disagreement. Um, I kind of mentioned this a, a little bit earlier in our conversation or alluded to it that teaching students to listen to one another is really hard. Um, because our students have been trained just to listen to us um, for better or worse. And so I'm, I'm really curious about how and how we can teach students well to listen to one another and to authentically agree or disagree. I think that needs um, some more study. I know that when I hear it done well, it's so awesome, um, but it's really rare, even in, you know, um, experienced teacher class, classrooms with experienced teachers, it's, it's, you don't hear it very often. So I'm kind of curious about um, how we could bring that about in a, in a more authentic and powerful way for, for students. Yeah, that's a great point. You're right. I think students definitely are trained to listen to the teacher, but not necessarily to listen to each other. And that's something they really have to learn. And, you know, the best teachers can bring that about in their students. So that would be really interesting to study. From a Catholic school perspective, you know, we always try to talk about this from our lens as Catholic school educators as well. Um, so for me, I think um, something we haven't talked about is I was drawn to the idea that in order to have good discussions in classrooms, a teacher really needs to create, uh, not just teach them about how to do talk moves, but also to create sort of a, a safe environment for students to feel like they're able to take risks and have conversations with one another and to discuss important or even, you know, difficult topics, um, difficult academic topics that they may not have completely formed thoughts on. They need to have a safe space to share their thinking and to disagree respectfully with one another and to agree with each other. Um, so that makes me think about a sense of community that's needed in classrooms. And I know that's not unique to Catholic schools. Lots of schools, all schools and all classrooms, it's important to build a, a sense of community in the classroom, but it's something that Catholic schools do exceptionally well. And part of the hallmark of a Catholic education is that close-knit family feel or that, you know, sense of classroom community is where Catholic schools excel. So to me, it seems that that's a connection here, that there has to be a strong classroom community in order for good discussion to thrive. And Catholic schools are uniquely positioned to create that environment for students. Right, I absolutely agree there. I think for me, it's just this, it's also just this idea of voice, the dignity of holding space for all voices to be heard. Um, I think that when you have a classroom where students know how to listen to one another, um, are capable of agreeing and disagreeing respectfully, that we invite more voices into our conversations and into our discussions. And that can be a really powerful thing for our learners. Awesome. Well, I think that about wraps it up for our conversation today. So thanks for listening, Erin. Thanks for your time. And we will catch you next time. Bye, everybody.